Lyric, a mother of a fairy tale. <laughs> if you think the world around you is normal, look a little closer, because things might be quite different than you suspect. <coughs> Lyric is written and narrated by Anne Kimbrough, February 2020. This is a 16-part YA fictional podcast, and part one starts right now. I'm not like everyone else. Admitting a problem is the first step, so they say. <laughs> Thing is, I don't know why I'm different. I just am. And at Eden College, I really stand out. You've got the cool kids, you know, the students that hang out in the quad, or the uber-brilliant geeks that dominate the computer labs. But even my favorite professors keep their distance. I am a local, so everyone thinks it's weird I didn't go away to college. Loser! Oh, no! <laughs> but I live on campus. That's normal. It also means when everyone goes on break, I'm still here. My summer plans fell apart. I told my college counselor. Mrs. Beverly was a former Southern Belle who hadn't lost her accent or her overly sunny outlook on life. Ugh. She'd labeled me shy with confidence issues and no parental support. She really did. I knew because I can read upside down. Not that I'm surprised. I'm painfully aware of the crap stacked against me. If Mrs. Beverly could magically boost my confidence and turn my mom into a reliable person, I'd listen. However, Eden College probably doesn't offer a summer course that performs miracles. What if I use the summer to earn more credits and graduate early? I asked my counselor. Mrs. Beverly placed her elbows on the desk and leaned closer. I'm thinking less classes and more practical experience. Does that mean working for free? How about posing for an evening art class? Mrs. Beverly looked hopeful. I wouldn't like that. <laughs> the very thought made my throat go dry, making it impossible to shout, Hell no! She nodded her head up and down. It pays very well. Cash in hand every night. I sat up taller. How much? Fifty. Mrs. Beverly knew how to hook me. <laughs> I could see it in her eyes. She knew she'd won. Uh, how many classes? I calculated how many classes were in a summer session. I could be on my way to becoming a millionaire. It pays very well because you pose in the nude. <coughs> my eyes could have popped out of my head, bounced around the room, and slammed back into my head, and I couldn't have been more surprised. Mrs. Beverly put a hand over her mouth. She chuckled softly, then smiled. It would help with your confidence, and you have a nice body. I crossed my hands over my chest. And lovely hair. I flicked a piece of jet black hair off my shoulder. I had no idea what she was talking about. I usually kept it in braids because it was straight and boring. Every day was another bad hair day. Oh, no, it's incredible, she said, like an adoring fan thick and how it shines even in braids. Is that lavender? I smell lavender and lemon. She gazed off into nothing. I waved a hand, hoping to get her attention. It took a moment, but her blank stare focused on me again. 
Is it an art class for women only? I asked, hopeful, knowing it really didn't matter. I doubted I could pose nude in a room full of blind students. <whistles> Mrs. Beverly nodded her head, only half listening at this point. No, boys and girls. With a little clap of her hand, she smiled at me, like I just handed her a winning lottery ticket. What a lovely session we've had today. She shut my folder and tidied up her desk. We just started, I pointed out. I thought you had a whole list of summer options for me. I, I really don't see myself posing nude. There's a, a hint of jasmine about you, too, she said, eyes glazing over. You radiate a welcoming, earthy smell. Ooh, earthy? That can't be a compliment. With a practiced shrug, I tried to sniff my armpit. All I got was a hint of deodorant. I cleared my throat, but her dopey expression remained. I snapped my fingers. Mrs. Beverly's eyes darted to my hand. And look at your fingernails. They are just the right length for red nail polish. Hmm. Red is a power color. I briefly wondered what the color was for crazy. My fingernails weren't special. I haven't been biting them or anything, but... I'm not into manicures. Who has the time or the money? I had an emery board and clear gloss when the need arose. Since it never did, I kept them short. Stretching my hand out in front of me, I inspected the nails and did a double take. My nails were not cut short. They'd grown long. The white tips looked extra white, and the pink part reminded me of dew on rose petals. Aww. Mrs. Beverly was right. My nails looked amazing, which made no sense at all. I raised both hands before my eyes and inspected them. Whoa, had someone secretly given me a French manicure? I quickly tucked my fingers into the palms of my hands and dropped them out of sight. How could you deny the art students? Mrs. Beverly asked. She slid a sheet of paper across her desk to me. Here's the schedule. You can start this week. It was not a question. She'd probably already filled out my W-2. Uh, how nude is nude? I asked, certain I'd hate her answer. Everyone's professional. Mrs. Beverly's answer was not an answer at all. She covered it with a sweet smile. And you have a dancer's body, all long legs and lean muscle. What a treat for the class. I wasn't really concerned about what the artists would think of my body. Well, not until she mentioned it. What would they see? And more importantly, what would I see in their faces while they translated my image onto canvas? A little shiver ran through my body. I shook the image off. It really wasn't about a room full of art students judging my body. I'd taken ballet since age five. Along the way, I'd made friends with my average height and only thought of dancing as a way to strengthen my core. Perhaps one day I'd teach, unless I got one last growth spurt. A few more inches, and I could be a professional dancer. Although, that dream had died long ago. Mostly. No matter what, I'd always have the music. It took me to a place where body shape didn't matter. And every dance step allowed me to float among the clouds. Plus, Mrs. Beverly interrupted my thoughts, it will leave your days free. Free for what? I asked as a good amount of fear seeped into the words. For both of your jobs, silly. 
Professor Walkley needs a teaching assistant, she said, as if she were telling me for the second time. He needs help with advanced botany summer session. You start this afternoon. She slid another folder across the desk. A quick peek inside, and I could see it contained employment forms. I start today? She looked at her watch. Now, actually. Don't be late. Now? I croaked. Actually, a frog would have been easier to understand. I blurted out several sentences of incoherent babble before I realized I'd completely lost Mrs. Beverly. A blank, dreamy look overtook her face again. If I were the sun, she'd happily stare at me until she went blind. Her sudden support made me uneasy, but if she had an angle with all this devotion, I couldn't figure it out. Don't you worry. They'll love you. Just be yourself, Mrs. Beverly said. I had a tendency to be an introverted daydreamer, so being myself was terrible advice. I knew I should have corrected her, but I just wanted to escape before she hugged me. I grabbed up the files, my jacket, and backpack. Let me know how it goes, Lyric. I froze at the door. Did you just call me Lyric? Mrs. Beverly blinked several times and thought hard to remember my real name. At least, that's what I assumed she was thinking. Ah, oh, is it okay to call you Lyric? She asked. I'm sorry. I should say, Your Majesty. Suddenly, I got it. Mrs. Beverly was on medication. I edged toward the door. No, no you, you call me Lyric, like some hippie flashback from the 60s. Just don't let my real name confuse you, Ashley Scott. <laughs> it's the one on all my records. Of course, dear, she said with a little chuckle. I'll get right on that. She opened my file and started to cross out every mention of my real first name, writing Lyric over the top of Ashley. Okay, then. I'll just head over to Professor Walkley. I hurried out the door, afraid to find out what she'd do or say next. Class was already in session when I entered the student greenhouse. Filled with waist-high tables, ten students had their hands in soil, potting experimental plants. Professor Warren C. Walkley, a renowned botanist, and the upperclassmen turned to stare at me. Their initial indifference lightened, however, with smiles and shy nods. Mrs. Beverly sent me over, I said. Sorry to interrupt. Splendid! Professor Walkley greeted me with a radiant smile. Welcome to my advanced class of future botanists. We are hard at work creating drought-resistant herbs. Sadly, our latest experiments failed. He handed me a terracotta pot. In it were the remains of a plant, now a withered, brown collection of twigs. It was one of ten pots. The experiment was beyond failure. The plants were all dead. What do you think? He asked. The students looked at me expectantly. I had no idea what to say. I wasn't a botanist. All the plants in my apartment were silk. I'd never even been in this part of the campus. My days were spent in practice rooms, dancing. It needs a little more love, I finally offered. The class laughed. We will certainly try better, Professor Walkley challenged his students. 
Just watch for now, Ashley, and we'll go over your duties after class. I nodded, placing the terracotta pot on a nearby table. The professor returned to his class as I took in the rest of the greenhouse. The structure had one brick wall, but everything else was glass. Even the ceiling was glass. It slanted down from the brick side, seamlessly melding with the brick's opposite glass wall. Sunlight streamed through and beaded the panes with condensation. The structure had two exits at opposite ends of the building. One went to a large conservatory and the other to a grassy quad. I slipped out of my lightweight jacket. Looking around for some place to put it, I breathed in the scent of soil and green things. <sighs> Plants smelled green to me. Odd. <laughs> I decided to keep that thought to myself, just as I sensed someone watching me. The students and Professor Walkley had moved to the other end of the greenhouse, leaving me alone. None of them were the source of little hairs rising up on the back of my neck. I looked around. I still couldn't spot the source. Who was watching me? A hint of sound tickled my senses. I could have easily missed it if I hadn't been standing right under the scratch, scratch, scratch. I looked up. A lean calico cat walked along the top of the greenhouse right where the brick met the glass. His nails nicked into it, making the sound. Jeez! It wasn't even wide enough for the cat to walk safely. The feline had a death wish. One wrong step and he'd slide off and crash to the ground. He? I couldn't really tell the gender, but something about that cat. Arrogant. It practically screamed, I'm a male. <sighs> the cat stopped halfway across the roof and looked down at me. Well, probably not at me. If he had any sense, he'd be figuring out how to get off the roof, fast. I scrunched up my nose at him. Why wasn't he moving? He stood still, staring in my direction. I stared back, which is totally nuts. The calico was feral, living off the land by the look of his shaggy fur. An orange lick of color streaked down the length of his nose, and mesmerizing turquoise eyes blinked in my direction clean him up and he'd be a cute one that's for sure cute and wild i stepped to the side to see him better curious the cat blinked and cocked his head to the side was he flirting with me writing it off as part of my love starved personality i just hoped he wouldn't fall might lose one of his cocky nine lives i should ignore him the scratch scratch echoed from above again i looked back up with every intention to wave him off the roof, but a blinding flash of light hit me hard. I fell to my knees. The blinding light wasn't from the sun. The pain came from within, a searing jolt from temple to temple, followed by a rapid bombardment of images in my mind's eye. They felt like a memory, coming as photo images in an excruciating slideshow. A church, a graveyard, an underground tunnel. Feelings came with them, hunger, cold, longing. They felt real, like I could step into them. Suddenly, I'm not in the greenhouse any longer. Not in time, space, or body. At least, what I saw was not in the greenhouse. A nasty dream had materialized around me in the form of a dank, littered alley. 
A clan of feral cats surrounded me. They were all skin and bones, and the moonlight, for it was no longer day, reflected in the animals' haunted eyes. Their shrieks pierced my soul. I grabbed my head and closed my eyes. Everything spun out of control. Opening my eyes, I could see I was back in Eden College's greenhouse. The drone of Professor Walkley's lecture continued, calming in its pace and tone. I blinked back tears, partly from the stabbing headache, partly from relief. What the hell was that? It felt like someone hijacked my memory and added some of their own. I quickly peeked up at the roof. The cat was stretched out, sunning himself. He wasn't feeling any pain. He turned his head, eyeing me again. (laughs) It seemed impossible, but somehow I had communicated with a cat. That's the end of part one. Lyric, a mother of a fairy tale. Join us again for part two. Produced by Everything Novels. Copyright February 2020. Music and sound effects by Zap Splat.